This morning we're going to be wrapping up the Advent series that's been looking at the original Christmas carols found in the Gospel of Luke. As we look in just the first two chapters of Luke, we're going to find some songs, uh, some poems that emerge uh, that, that when the good news that came that produced great joy for all people, that God would send forth his Savior, it kept, people couldn't keep silent. As a matter of fact, they broke out into song. And what we've been doing is looking at what do those songs mean for those who originally sung them? I mean, what, what was happening? And, and why were they singing it? But more importantly, and, and true for all of us, what do those songs mean to us some 2,000 years later? Why are we still looking at them? Why are we still singing them? And how do they affect our lives? Let me begin with a question. Who actually enjoys looking at your baby pictures or baby videos? I mean, let's be honest. I'm sure that you were very good, maybe even a Gerber kind of baby. But no matter how good looking you are, no matter how amazing your childhood was, how many people really enjoy looking at someone else's baby pictures or baby videos? It's kind of like Snoozeville sometimes, isn't it? Uh, the Jakes's, we just uh, made our annual trek. My mom and dad always invite us over for uh, dinner at Christmas time. They want us to see their house. And to me, it's like going back to memory lane and uh, pointing out the, the, the decorations I had as a child. And as we were uh, making our way to Lakeland and we finally pulled into the uh, uh, neighborhood in which they live, a voice cried out from the back seat. We don't have to look at your childhood video again, do we? I mean, with disdain, as if that wasn't a blessed thing to do. Well, well, this morning, this morning we're going to look at Jesus's baby pictures, or, or kind of like Jesus's home video that were given to us in God's Word. I mean, we're going to see we're going to see forty day old Jesus appear in the temple, and we're going to see these pictures that are given to us, and it's kind of like looking at all this religious stuff that was done to Jesus and for Jesus. And I got to tell you, it could feel like a little bit like we're watching Jesus' home videos. And you can think, well, might be interesting to Mary and Joseph, but is it really interesting to us? I got to tell you, if you look closely and let the Spirit of God open up His Word like only He can, I promise you, these baby pictures of Jesus will prove to be anything but boring. And they will prove to be pretty amazing of what actually is happening in these pictures. If the Holy Spirit will shine his grace and truth on these pictures, we can see the depth of what's being communicated. And we can see that these pictures aren't just for a select few. They're for you. And they're for me. And they're, they're there for a reason. When, when do you uh, really enjoy looking at family pictures? When do you enjoy looking at family videos? It's when you arrive and when, when you're in them, right? I mean, my parents did this thing several years ago. They celebrated their 40th birthday or their 40th anniversary. And they thought they'd give uh, the family a present. And it was a, it was a great endeavor. So what they did is they, they gathered up all the slides. Anybody old enough to remember slides and all the pictures? And, and they filmed the whole thing of going through every slide. They gave the family history of the Jakes's for 40 years. It sounds fabulous, doesn't it? And they, they gave it to us. And like, I mean, it was like, seriously, they're not here this morning. I'm, I'm taking advantage. They're, they're feeling 
they're, they're homesick and here's what I'm doing. You know, this is a, this is what I do. But you know, I, I got this 40 year video and it's like, all right, make some really strong coffee, plug it in. And after about five minutes, start hitting fast forward until I arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my sister, Allison. Yeah, she's kind of cute. All right. Yeah. Ah, right, yeah, yeah, here comes Billy. All right, oh man, what a trouble he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get to me. Well, it's true of all of us. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, we look for ourselves in pictures, don't we? I, I, let me ask you a question, honestly. If you were to take a family picture, whose picture do you look at first? I mean, let me ask you a question. Uh, if, if notice in Christmas cards who always looks the best, it's the mom. <laughs> she picked it out. Right? I mean, seriously, we got one with, with kids have their eyes closed. And I'm like, what happened? But mom, I mean, she looks great, right? So it, it's true with all of us that it's, sometimes we find that pictures are boring until we get to us. Well, here's, here's the incredible thing about God's word. If you let the spirit of living God speak to your heart, you're not only going to see Jesus' baby pictures this morning. You could see yourself in the midst of these pictures. That's my hope and prayer. We've been looking at these four original songs. The first one we looked at in Luke's gospel was Mary's Magnificat. Mary, uh, Jesus's uh, mother, uh, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and how she sang of what God had done for her. We looked at Zachariah's song. Uh, that's John the Baptist's father and, and the amazing uh, um, grace in, of God in his life. We also, last week, looked at the angel's anthem. And how heaven itself couldn't stay silent because Jesus was born unto us. And this morning, we're going to look at a guy named Simeon. Simeon's swan song. We're going to find it in Luke 2. Uh, and for those who keep track of these kind of things, this whole Advent season, we've really gone through the entire Advent story found in Luke 1 and 2. And this morning, we're going to pick up the story in Luke 2, verses 22 through 20, 38. And I'm actually going to begin with verse 21. And we'll pick up one more picture uh, in Jesus' baby album in verse 21. And then we'll hear what God has for us through 22 through 38. Will you be mindful that this, this is a photo album that God has given us in his living word. And it's not just something that we're supposed to look at to be amused by. But he gave it to us for a reason. This is living and active word of God. And he gave this to us to intersect your life. So I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will open your ears to hear what God has for you. Verse 21. At the end of eight days, Jesus was just born. When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name, the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him, Joseph and Mary, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, or the Messiah, to come. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, Jesus, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the privilege that you're giving us this morning to look at Jesus's baby book. And God, I ask that you would do that which only you could do, that the Holy Spirit would come and and would speak through this broken and sinful preacher for your glory. That God, you would come in such a way that, that, this, that this looking at Jesus in these early days of his life would become alive to us and come real to us. And God, would you come in such a powerful way that it would impact us and it would change us. Even looking at the baby pictures of Jesus would make us more like him. Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear Jesus' voice. That, God, you give us minds to understand your word. That you give us hearts to embrace your truth. And that, God, that you would cause our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. Whatever is said that is true and contains the good news of Jesus Christ, use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus. And the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. May you and you alone receive glory. And may we receive joy and great challenge. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. In the bulletin, you'll have an outline if you want to follow along with the outline. We've been going through this outline. We're going to look at the the singer. Uh, of this song. We're going to look at the setting of this song, and then we will look at the song itself. The first of all, it's the singer. It's really, it's a two-part song. Uh, The main singer is Simeon. Uh, He is accompanied by a prophetess by the name of Anna at the end of this story. And what does it say about Simeon? Well, it says that Simeon was a righteous and devout man. And, and interestingly, if you've been listening uh, uh, really diligently, you'll, you'll hear that language. This is the same language that was described to Zechariah. Um, when God is telling us about this Simeon, he is a godly man. When it says righteous, uh, you could probably think this way. 
he, he's righteous in his dealings with men and women. He's righteous with others. When it talks about devout, it talks about his vertical relationship with the Lord. So this is a man who has healthy relationships vertically with one another. And he's a man who has a healthy or horizontally healthy relationship vertically uh, with the Lord. Uh, He was given an incredible promise from God. Did you hear that in in the text? The Holy Spirit came to him, came to Simeon and said basically this. Hey, you're not going to die until your eyes see the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine that promise? I mean, what an incredible promise. Basically saying to him, you are going to be invincible. You're going to be invincible until you see the long-awaited Savior. Until you see all that God has promised, your very eyes are going to see. I don't know how God promised him that. I don't know how the Holy Spirit revealed that to him. Scripture doesn't tell us. I, I sit there and wonder, what was that all about? But here you have this man who, who loved the Lord and longed for the Lord to bring the light of a Savior to come. And God had said to him, he's coming. And you're going to see with your very eyes. Uh, we were, we're not told that he's a priest, and yet he gives blessing. He gives blessing even to Mary, uh, uh, Jesus' mother. We're not told that he's a prophet, and yet he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies. And then you have Anna. Anna, man, what a blessed woman. Every church, and I think our church has several Annas in them. I'm just blessed women of God. Her, her life wasn't easy. It says in the text that after seven years of being, after being a virgin, which would say this, after being a married age, probably an early teenager, she gets married. Seven years with her husband, and he passes away. And so she spends the rest of her life, maybe 60 some odd years, 50 years. Her life was spent as a widow. Her spent, but she didn't mourn the fact that, that life was been hard to her. She loved the fact that God had given her hope. And so what does she do? She spends her entire life in the temple, it says. I think that's probably tongue-in-cheek. She probably left the temple, but she's like one of those people that never leaves church, never leaves devotion to the Lord. It says she's praised all the time. She's righteous. She's holy. She really fulfills what God's word says is a holy widow. What an amazing woman of God. And she too was blessed to see the Lord's Christ. Well, with Simeon, Simeon gives us a a great pattern to follow. When we look at him, we realize that this is a pattern of salvation. Uh, Simeon says it saw with his eyes that Jesus was the Lord's Christ. Interesting language. But he did more than that. He not only saw with his own eyes that this Jesus is the Lord's Christ, he confessed with his mouth. He confessed his mouth that Jesus was God's promised salvation. He was basically saying that everything that God has promised to rescue us is found in Jesus. Scripture says if we believe in our heart that that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouths that that he is Lord, that we will be saved. And with that, Simeon finds his salvation. But not only does he give us a picture that we see with our eyes and we we confess with our mouth, but we also have the privilege of of grabbing and holding and, and caressing him with our hearts. Certainly we're different. We don't physically have eyes to see Jesus. But if God's grace is real in your life, And he's given you the ability to have faith and the sight where you could look upon Jesus and said, there's the Lord's salvation. If you have the grace of God in your life to realize that all that God has promised has been made real in Jesus. If you are here this morning and you are able to confess true words that reveal your heart that Jesus Christ truly is 
Christ's Lord. He truly is the salvation of the world. Oh, how you are blessed. And if that's you who you are, then you will be like me and gather him close. Gather him close to your heart and cherish him like Simeon did and say, thank you for this great gift. Okay, those are the singers. But let's get to the setting. The setting is most important for this song to be understood. Here's what happens. It says that they're in the temple. They're at the temple of the time of purification. And this means that Jesus is 40 days old. Did you notice what was mentioned five times as I read through this passage? What was mentioned is this, the law of God. What, what, we, what God's word wants us to really understand with this passage is the law of God here is very, very, very important. And for some of us might think, yawner, snoozeville. Why is it important that over and over and over again, Luke is going to say, this was done to fulfill the law. This was done to fulfill the law. This was done to fulfill the law. You'll see why. It's very, very important. The first thing is this. It talks about at this time of purification. As a matter of fact, let me bump up to verse 21. And it talks about circumcision. And what is circumcision? Well, well, circumcision was basically taking your child, your male child, to be set apart from God, for God. It was basically going and having your, your, your son circumcised on the eighth day. And what you were doing is you were claiming God's promises for your son, saying, you promised to be our God. And you promise that we will be your people. And the sign and the seal of that promise that you made for us is being circumcised. And so in obedience to you, in trust for you, we bring this child. Mary and Joseph would bring their child. And they would claim God's promises. Now, in this circumcision, it's an amazing thing because God's covenant is being revealed. But when we look closely, we realize this is God. He's the covenant maker with us. He's the one who's promised all of God's blessing. And if you really look close, holy God says, for you to have a relationship with me, you have to live your life in a certain way with obedience. And if you do, you're going to be blessed. Wow, will you be blessed. And if you don't, there's curses that come. And here in Jesus, we realize, here's the one who has perfectly fulfilled God's law. Here's the one who has perfectly absorbed God's wrath for our brokenness. And here's the one who has given to us God's blessing. So in circumcised, you hear, you have God being coming and being presented to the Lord, the one who has secured for us all the blessings. Very similar to baptism. It's very similar for those of you who have brought your children to be baptized and, and to claim God's covenant promises and obedience to that. But there's more, not, not just uh, the circumcision, there's purification. In Leviticus 12, do you know uh, um, in the book of uh, Leviticus, you guys all read the book of Leviticus. How many of you have read the book of Leviticus? Don't raise your hand. It's all probably, oh, I've read it three times. Love it. Just spend nights just reading Leviticus. But Leviticus was given to us in God's word. It's a part of what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the, the Old Testament. And it's God's law. And it's specifically given for God's people when they were a theocracy. And it was specifically given them how to do things. Do you know there's an entire chapter in the Bible that tells women what you're to do after you give birth? It's Leviticus 12. It says that giving birth and the shedding of that blood is going to make you unclean. And giving birth to sinful uh, children is going to make you unclean. And so God prescribes a way for you uh, to become clean. And that is this. To be purified, you are to bring a year-old lamb as a burnt offering and either some pigeons or some turtle doves as a sin offering. But you know, God is so gracious, he does this. He says, if you're too poor 
to buy a lamb, if you can't buy a lamb after you've given birth and you're really just trying to raise a child, forget the lamb. I'll provide that. Just bring the birds. And so in this passage, we see how poor Mary and Joseph are. We see that what they brought was just uh, the birds for a sacrifice. But there's more than just purification of Mary going on here. There's more. There's, there's the redemption of the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 12, Exodus 12 tells us the story of Passover. Let me just spend a minute on this. God has always said to his people, I'm going to rescue you from anything that enslaves you. And in the Old Testament, what enslaved God's people was Egypt. And they were in uh, bondage in Egypt, uh, separated from God in the promised land. And God says, I'm going to come and rescue you. And the way I'm going to come and rescue you is I'm going to send plagues on those who imprison you, those who enslave you. And I'm going to treat you different than I treat them. I'm going to bless you. But man, uh, unless they repent, unless they let you go, these plagues are coming. And God says 10 plagues and each one kind of gets worse. And the worst plague of all was the last plague. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn son. And especially in that culture, I would think in any culture, the firstborn son has, has so much meaning. That's your strength. That's your, your heritage. That's your, your identity. That's really your joy. And God says, because you're not releasing my own people from slavery, I'm going to take your firstborn son. But he said to his own people, he says, listen, I'm going to spare you. But I'm going to spare you as long as you take a lamb, a Passover lamb, it's called. And if you take this lamb and you're going to slaughter it, it's kind of a weird story, but an amazing story. And you take the blood of the lamb and you put it over the doorpost. And you put it over the doorpost. When this plague comes and death comes, I'll spare your firstborn son. And he did it. And God spared the Israelites' firstborn son. But you know what? God never wants us to forget these kind of things. Do you know that about God? Do you know that you have a tendency to forget how God good he is? And you know that God wants to remind you over and over again? So God says this. He said, listen, every firstborn male that's born to you, you got to bring him to me. Because I want you to picture in your mind, I don't want you to forget the Passover. I don't want you to forget my mercy that I have saved this child. I have saved this child. So, so remember, bring them to me and, and so that they may be redeemed. There was actually like five shekels that they would bring to redeem the firstborn. Because he says, why? The firstborn is holy. It's set apart unto me. Do you know that Jesus is called the Holy One of God? Here you have the Holy One of God being brought in to be redeemed and to be set apart as holy. Here you have the Redeemer of God's people being redeemed. Here you have, now listen, this whole image, this whole thing that's going on, Mary and Joseph know what this points back to. They know it points back to the Passover. And here you have, according to Scripture, the Passover Lamb of God being set apart and connected to the Passover. Why does this matter? Why is this important? I mean, don't these sound like pictures that only the immediate family should really care about? Why do you need to know? Why do you need to see them? The answer, my friends, is incredible. Galatians 4. If you have your Bible, turn to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Why does God spend so much time wanting us to see the baby pictures of Jesus and all that was happening there at the temple? It's this, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Listen to this. But when the fullness of time had come, when time was, it's like a gestation period, 
ready for the Savior to be revealed. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. All this purification, all this thing that points to the reality that Mary was a woman. And it says specifically born of a woman, not a man, to let us know that this is a virgin birth. But born of a woman, born under the law, all that God's law required. Why? 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 Listen, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Why? So that we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The whole point of the song, the whole point of this story so far in the setting, you ready for this? It is for our salvation. Born of a woman, to be fully man, to do all that God requires of man to fulfill the law. Born under the law, the one who gave us the law, to fulfill the law for us. So that we might receive full rights as adopted sons and daughters. So that we might be joint heirs with Christ. Why did Jesus go through all this stuff? Why did they do it? So that we would have the audacity and the boldness to go to a holy God and say, that's my Abba Father. And I am his son. Or I am his daughter. And I am his Basically, this is saying this. Jesus fulfilled all of the legal requirements so that we can be saved. Now, do you think that holy God, if he makes a contract with us, a call to covenant, do you think he cares about the small print? You think that holy God who controls all things, is who, who governs all things, a God of order, do you think the small print matters to God? You know it does. Jesus had to come as the sacrificial lamb of God. And every, listen, Everything the law required of man to do, he had to fulfill. Why? So that God can maintain his holiness and his justice by embracing us now as adopted children, by accepting his son's obedience on our behalf, by accepting his son's death on our behalf. Why do we look at Jesus' baby pictures and say, this looks like religious garbly goop? Because through it, we are saved. And we are made a part of his family. You get to the song. The song, he says, my eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. My eyes have seen it. And the reality of this is you're never ready to die until you see Jesus as the Lord's salvation. You're never. But if you have seen Jesus by God's grace as the Lord's salvation and you are freed from your sins, my brothers and sisters, fear death. No more, because death has been defeated and heaven and life has been opened up. My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. He, he had a confession of faith. My salvation is secure. Can you sing that song? Can you sing the song this morning that my eyes, by God's grace, have seen the Lord's salvation? It's a savior for all people. It says this, a savior for all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. That's us. That's us. God's was basically saying this. God's promises that he's always made are for us. We who have been previously in darkness, this is for us. For those who are sitting in darkness have seen a great light. 
A savior for all people. That same light is the glory of Israel. The same light reveals all the promises that God made. Everything he ever made to his people are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And this light will reveal the true Israel, who is his. A savior for all people. And lastly, a child who will cause each one of us to rise and fall. Simeon said, he turned to Mary and says, I'm going to bless you, Mary, but I want you to know there's nothing neutral about your son. There's nothing neutral about Jesus. You know that, don't you? I mean, the world may ignore him. The world may say whatever, but there's nothing neutral about Jesus. Because with Jesus, you will either rise or you will fall. In Jesus, he is the cornerstone that God is building his salvation, his world upon. And you will either fall upon that stone in repentance and live, or you will be crushed by that stone. I love that reality is uh, our hearts will be revealed in this Jesus. Isaiah 8, Isaiah eight fourteen talked about the rock that would come, this Jesus who would come. He says, to some he's going to be a refuge, and to some a sanctuary, and to some a stone of offense, a rock of stumbling. Look at our world. By God's grace, I see Jesus as Savior, and others mock him. But without him, there's no peace, no life, no hope, and we will be crushed. But with Jesus, we will rise. Do you know that? With him, we have hope. I want to turn into one last passage to read to you. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, as we look at who this Jesus is, this rock of salvation for us, verse 4 through 10 says this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, the rise or fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, listen, if you by God's grace believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you by God's grace say this is the Lord's Savior and salvation, you are a royal, a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's what the point is. You see, we come to Christ, a living stone, and in him we become living stones that God is building a spiritual household. Do you hear what he called us? He called sinners like us chosen. He called us royal. He called us holy. He called us his own. And he says he does all this so that we can proclaim his riches and his glory, his excellencies, who's called us out of darkness. Here's the bottom line. Jesus was born of a woman. Jesus was born under the law. Why? So that we could become a part of his adopted family. Why? So we could see Jesus' pictures. We could be in the family album too. That God's family album includes me. 
by God's grace and faith through what Jesus has done for us. Simeon saw Jesus and embraced him as Savior. Have you? And if you have, are you proclaiming his excellencies with your life? Let us pray. Father, thank you for your amazing wisdom that you would give to us Jesus' baby pictures. A picture of him when he was eight days old getting circumcised. A picture of him when he was 40 days old and his mother going in for purification and for his dedication as the firstborn child to be holy. And God, we love the fact that Mary and Joseph were so obedient. They had very little money and they couldn't even bring to you a lamb. They just brought a couple of birds. But God, what they brought to you in their arms that Simeon clasped in his arms was the true Lamb of God who has come to set his people free from their sins, who has come to reveal your glory and truth because Moses gave us the law and Jesus gave us truth glory and righteousness. We thank you that Jesus, you came not only born of a woman, but born under the law so that we could be set free. God, I pray that there wouldn't be a heart here that doesn't embrace this baby picture of Jesus that realizes he's more than that. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And through him, we have the privilege of being in the family album too. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.